Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, back at it again. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. Since our last episode, I have been hitting up a little bit of travel in the D.C., DMV, Maryland, Virginia area. It's been nice. I got to come up here, Maryland and Delaware Baptist Convention, and then the SBCV, Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia. I got to hang out with Colin Pugh. Replanter of the year a few years ago, a replant team member now, our urban renewal specialist. And I got to preach at his church and hang out with him. I tried a DC classic Ben's chili bowl. Yeah. The original half smoke. You ever had that, Bob? What? What is a half smoke, Jimbo? Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. It's basically just a big hot dog. It's a, I don't know why they call it a half smoke, but they use that term like everyone knows what it is. <laughs> that sounds to me like a half-smoked cigarette that is in the ashtray, and you go get it out and try to smoke it. That's a half-smoke. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was, you know, Vince Chili Bowl is apparently a famous location, and it's been there for a long time. There's pictures of all these famous people that have come through there all over the walls. And yeah. so it was good. Stopped there. We also went to Jerry's and had something called a crab bomb and it's like the largest crab cake without bread filler like it's just crab and butter basically oh wow uh, and it's like they fill a bowl packed tight and then turn up and then smash it onto your plate and big old crab bomb it was pretty good too yeah that sounds really good i've i've not done quite as maybe interesting things but i've done nashville kinds of things no less I've okay nashvillian nashvillian or nashville i guess you might say if you're from here nashville you know kind of a fun situation i i barb and i had dinner with frank and Lori lewis a good friend of the replant team frank lewis yeah and we ate at emory Woodfired on a famous street called 12 south and frank and i had pizzas and then we talked about church leadership and life and and our ladies got to know each other and that was a lot of fun and Jimbo, we've got an Airstream coffee trailer that we're working on for 313, and and I get to swap out a lock on the door on the Airstream trailer, and I've got to I got to hire a handyman for our locations. So you know, I've had some eventful times, and I'm not traveling, but Jimbo, here's what I will tell you: when I moved from St. Louis, I was thinking I don't want to ever have to deal with leaves in the backyard. Well, unfortunately, Jimbo, our backyard appears to be the receptacle of all the neighborhood leaves. <laughs> yeah. So on the one side of our house, on the rent house that we have, there is probably, I want to say, 12 feet of leaves blown into the corner. I mean, it's just unreal. Wow. That's been nice for me being up here in the D.C. and Maryland and Virginia area is seeing fall leaves. Yeah. That's not something I get very much of in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, I bet not. It's They're just about all gone here in uh, Nashville. And um, so it's kind of sad. We were super busy unpacking and all that. So we got a chance to, you know, we didn't get a chance to get out and see them. And then Jimbo, my convertible, you know, I did hear from the guy. I'm happy to say that the engine is torn apart. I am sad to say that he said it was going to cost more than he quoted me. So so I will be sending out a QR code on my social media if you want (laughs) to. 
<laughs> you want to contribute to the give get Bob's convertible back uh, QR code fund? We'll uh, we'll do that. No, I'm just joking about that. So if Kevin yeah. is listening to this podcast, which I know he regularly does. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. I'm just I'm joking. So. <laughs> Yeah, I had to replace plugs and coil packs on on the Forerunner here recently. Oh, ouch. I was surprised at 24 years old and 245,000 plus miles. Those were the original plugs in coil packs. <laughs> what? Were you getting like three miles to the gallon? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Original so, plugs. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I looked. I was. I took the plug out. I was like, that's pretty impressive that they lasted that long. Huh. Well, um, Toyotas are great. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of Toyotas. Yeah. You know, I, I love my runner. I'm glad that it's still running. That's good. Hey, man, let's jump into today. Uh, over the past few days, I've been interacting with a lot of people between the Maryland-Delaware Convention, the Virginia Convention, and other conversations and a conversation I've had is the importance of multi-generational ministry and how to do that and what that looks like. And so obviously this ties to 13 characteristics that we have. One of them is an affinity for multi-generational ministry. A replant pastor with an affinity for multi-generational ministry is able to connect easily with both the young and old in his congregation. So each group knows, not just feels, but knows they are loved, valued, and heard, and so all ages are pastored well. I wanted to break this down a little bit and go deeper into this characteristic and the importance of multi-generational ministry, just based on some of the conversations I've had recently. Uh, I think it's an important conversation for us to have. Yeah, man, I love this topic, and uh, I, I have to confess, though, Jimbo, I struggled with this in ministry for a long time, mm. particularly because I think I felt like the older generations were unreceptive to change. And my thought was, man, if they would just get with it, then things would be awesome. Yeah. And so I think a lot of guys out there think that, and that can lead to that thought. Every thought always leads to an action yeah. and uh, every action has a consequence. And so I think you just have to really understand the fact that scripture is pretty clear that multi-generational ministry is, is a thing. And it's important. And, you know, Paul writes to Timothy and Titus about generational ministry. And I think we we do well to look at what the scriptures say and then think about the implications and the application of those mm-hmm. principles in scripture. Yeah. And I think one of the important distinctions I want to make is we're not just talking about having multiple generations under one roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes beyond just assembling diverse age groups under one roof on Sunday mornings and them all being in the same building. It's really about allowing the gospel to reshape our priorities, fostering a community where every individual is loved, valued, and heard, and where we practice the, the idea of dying to self. I mean, Scripture, not only just multi-generational, but Scripture exhorts us to go beyond ourselves, to outdo one another in showing honor in Romans twelve ten. And this is kind of the idea, I really think, behind. I, I would say the idea of, you know, die to yourself, the idea of outdo one another in showing honor, the idea in Philippians 2 of putting the interest of others above yourself, having the mind of Christ in humility, and so many other passages I think can re-emphasize that idea and reinforce that idea that I think multi-generational ministry is a opportunity to practice those scriptures in how we love and, and treat others that we're around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the value of multi-generational ministry is 
it's hard to speak about it in just one or two ways, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to think holistically of the value of society or particularly the value of multiple generations in a church, right? Because you get the wisdom and the humility of the seasoned saints, and you've got the vitality and the vigor and the enthusiasm of the younger folks. And then you've got the joy of the especially young children. And I think all of that can function together to really be a blessing to the body. Yeah, I think one of the dangers we have to watch for, and we've said this before, I think we had an episode called uh, Growing Your Church Younger, where Mm -hmm. we can talk about this a little bit of, if you yield on preferential matters to only one generation, then you risk tethering your church's life cycle solely to that group. Mm -hmm. Meaning however long that group it's going to be a life cycle. They're going to die. They're going to move on. And so there, there's some consequences to the vitality of the church. And this is true even like if you're planting a church and and just catering to the younger crowd or if or even as you're replanting, revitalizing, if you are ignoring the, uh, the aging parts of your, of your congregation just to go to the younger, you, you're leading yourself just into a cycle where mm-hmm. you're going to end up back where you started. And I think it's one of the issues is, there's a challenge for how you – the challenge can go one of two ways. Some In some churches in need, that need to be revitalized, there is a strong love and affection for the legacy members of the church. And so you don't really want to shake the apple cart. And so you really just cater to the preferences of the older generation that's been there longer. And they have some fears and challenges of releasing preferences, but we have to get them to embrace the call – to serve and love the younger generation. And and so we've got to work to overcome the obstacles for effective ministry by not viewing the senior adults as an obstacle or the younger people. Yeah. One of the things too, we've talked a lot about this in our presentations in the field that we often equate longevity to spiritual maturity. Like, so the longer I've been a follower of Christ, the longer I've been a part of this church, the more likely I would normally be expected to, to have a, a level of spiritual maturity that is high, right? That is that is defined, that is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit and all those sorts of things. But I think one of the things you mentioned here is the fear and challenge of releasing preferences, but also following Jesus in faith, right? He calls us to have to, we have to die to self to change and all those sorts of things. And so I've seen this cripple of church where a group of younger folks out of respect and deference <clears throat> to the older folks just don't ask them to change, right? Or just submit and surrender that forward progress of the church, just out of respect. And so what that does is it creates a scenario where you you stop seeing transformation that should occur in a church and transformation stops at the point of preferential pain. And so if you're asking me to do something and I don't want to do it because it causes me emotional pain or it causes me, you know, We might even say logistical, like I just don't want to change. I don't want to do that differently, that sort of thing. Then your congregation really is stuck. And then the younger generation feels stuck as well. And they're frustrated where the older generation feels at peace, perhaps. And so what happens is you have congregational wars that break out or you just have a lot of strife that goes underground. Right. And it goes unspoken. And so if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody and you know that there's tension there, but nobody's talking about it, you know that you just, you're stuck until you get that out in the open and you address it. Yeah, I think, so you can err towards the preferences of the older generation, but there's another way we can err as well. And that's towards the preferences of the younger. And mm-hmm. you know, 
you see, hey, we've got to have younger people in order to have a future in this church. And that's true. But if you're not careful, you will spend all of your energy trying to pastor the people that you want in your congregation rather than the ones that God has given you. And when I when I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, before I did, I took my pastor in New Orleans to lunch several times and just asked for him to download as much wisdom into me as he could. And one of the things he reinforced to me a couple of times was pastor the people that God has given you, not the ones that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to trust that the Lord is going to add who he wants there. And you got to do do the ministry you know God's called you to do. Be proactive. Be you know engage the community, love the community well. But you may have a picture in your mind of the kind of church you're wanting to pastor, and this isn't it. Mm-hmm. Don't pastor the church that you're wanting to pastor. Pastor the church that God has given you. And if you are seeing your, if you're always seeing your senior adults as an obstacle, then you're you're going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that we probably should think about how to nuance in this discussion is when we say pastor the people that you have, not the people that you want. One of the things that I often equated with pastoring the people is comforting them, right? Mm-hmm. And um, placating them, you know, being mm-hmm. placating them or pacifying them, that sort of thing. But a pastor is a, sh- a lead a leader, a shepherd, he's moving them towards something. He's moving them towards the, the good shepherd, right? He's moving them towards new fields and new pastures. And so I don't want those who are listening here to equate pastoring with being passive or not trying to lead your people somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you are leading senior adult folks somewhere, they just move slow, right? And you've got to understand that that it's a generational thing and it's a fear thing. So perfect example. Um, I was walking with Brennan, the founder of our company. We were doing a walk and talk meeting, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, we we're just talking through some things. And as we're coming back into the church facility, we live in an urban area. And a lot of our campuses that we're affiliated with, they get a lot of trash. So so it's just, it's not uncommon for us to be walking through the parking lot or around the building and pick up trash, right? Just that's, you know, we yeah. want a place to look good. So I can tell you this, he's 31 and a 31 year old bends down to the ground and picks up trash different than a 56 year old. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, so I was noticing after a while, like I would see a piece of trash and I would go to, to bend down and pick it up and he would like beat me to it. Right. And so I looked at him and he's like, he goes, is your back hurting? You're moving kind of slow, right? And I'm like, dude, I'm 56 years old. I've been over to pick up trash a lot different than you. You're 31 years old, right? It's just part of age, <laughs> you know? And I can say in the last year, I have to take like vitamins and supplements and I have to take this anti-arthritis medicine, you know, and, and if I'm working outside and lifting and, you know, cleaning and running the blower and all this kind of stuff, Jimbo, I just can tell you, like in even sleeping, Jimbo, I, I get sore sleeping. I don't know how I do it, but I do it. Yeah. So my age and stage means I move at a different pace. Yeah. But if you just let me only do what I want to do, it will lead me not to push myself to a point of pain. Same thing yeah. with older folks in the church. Yeah. We're not just saying, let them do whatever they want to do. Mm. But you've got to realize that as you lead them to do what God has called you 
as a church body to do in your geographical context, they're going to, they're going to participate in a different way than if they were much younger. Right. And so it, it takes them a while to do stuff now that it didn't take them a long time to do. And so if you can get them to pray and participate and give your, and give their permission and then celebrate and affirm the work of the Lord, what's going on there, that's probably you're winning and, and the church will win in mission rather than expecting them to, get out and, and, you know, knock on doors or, you know, do heavy lifting on a cleanup day or all those sorts of things. Yeah. You just got to yeah. let them serve how they're, they're wired to serve. And then you also have to cast vision for the younger folks among you to serve in ways that they're uniquely called and qualified and, and able to serve. I like the emphasis you put on like longevity doesn't mean maturity because part of this shepherding the people God has given you is discipling them. And don't mm-hmm. assume that just because they are older that they have that they have been discipled. Mm-hmm. I mean, likely a lot of times they have not, and mm-hmm. it's part of your responsibility to shepherd them. And what I don't want, what I don't want you to do, is just work around them. You know, it's easier to work around a stump than plow mm-hmm. around a stump and go through it. That can be true of one or two people, but that can't be the whole congregation. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, if it's the whole congregation, then you got to sit there and figure out how to till that soil. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're gonna they're gonna be some people you just won't win over. There are going to be some people who will just not buy in. You're not going to be able to disciple them. You're not going to be able to lead them. And they're just going to be against what you do. And they may leave or they may just stay and be and grumble the whole time. And there are those that sometimes you're going to end up having to just plow around. But that is not the congregation as a whole. Mm-hmm. As a whole, you have a responsibility to shepherd those people well, embrace the challenge of leading the whole congregation into coming together. Because I think, honestly, Bob, there's a lot of wins that can come from this. If you'll embrace this mentality of multi-generational ministry being important and being mission critical for church revitalization, and, and again, not just that we have them all in the same room, but that they love each other, they care about each other, they serve each other sacrificially, they give deference towards each other in an outdoing honor, outdoing one another in honor type way. There's some, there's some blessings if you can really encourage sacrificial love from this that you'll see happen, some sweet things happen within your congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite pictures from the time I was replanting our church was between our oldest member and one of our youngest. Mm. And they they had become just the dearest of friends. And so during worship, uh, there's a, a photo that I show in some of the slideshows that I talk about our, our church family. And so we have the oldest member and the youngest member. And the oldest member, has she has her arm around this little girl in worship. And this little girl has her arm around the back of the older lady in worship. And they're just singing, right? And it's at Christmas time. And the mom put that on Facebook and she said, this is one of my favorite things about my church. And, you know, that her daughter has a friend who is this, you know, old, the, the, one of the oldest members in our church and that they were they were loving and close together. And, and I think that's a beautiful picture of what God's what God does inside the church to bring us together under the unity of Christ. We don't we don't celebrate. Well, sometimes we do celebrate, Jimbo. We celebrate that everybody's on board with the mission and vision and they've signed a membership covenant and they're contributing towards the vision and mission, you know, whatever that, you know, all this kind of stuff. They love the style and this and that and the other, right? Those are, those are great things when they occur and there's nothing wrong with them. But I think what's even a better thing is when you walk into a church and you see a collection of people who you're like, and have no earthly understanding of why these people are together and why they are all here because they are so different. 
right? Yeah. But then you walk into that church and there's a unity and a sweet spirit and there's a there's a deference to one another. There's a loving one another above your yourself and not seeking your own interests. There, there's something about that community that can only exist because it's shaped by the gospel and the unity that's in Christ. And that's a beautiful picture when you've got a collection of dissimilar folks who are worshiping together with great joy and unified in purpose. Yeah. And, and this is, I mean, this is what the world is looking for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the world is, is wondering where could we see something like this happen? And there's no reason other than our pride and our sin that they shouldn't see this in the local body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's such an opportunity to experience beautiful and biblical community as well as to demonstrate that to the world through the love, unity, and service that this brings. And so, man, I just, I wanted to emphasize for this episode, multi-generational is not a accidental or, you know, you know, you have to do it part of revitalization. It's a beautiful part of revitalization. It's one of the best parts, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, because it really does create an opportunity for everybody to practice being who God has called us to be by dying to self and honoring each other and serving each other. And there's so much wisdom to learn from each other. And you can soften hard hearts when they start to have true unity and biblical community with other people. Yeah. If we're all the same from the same generation with the same life experience, we're we're missing out on the rich history of what it means to walk with God over the entire season of one's life. And we're missing out on the wisdom and the insight that come from experiencing hard things and also seeing that God is faithful. And a young person can go through hard times and, and know that God's faithful. An older person obviously has more more uh, you know years, more life experience to, to experience those sorts of things. But I think we need, we need the young and the old. We need the optimism and the enthusiasm. We need the grace and the wisdom. And we need the, the assurance from both that regardless of what season you find yourself in, uh, God is faithful and God is is evident in all generations. And, mm-hmm. and we learn from one another. And I think we, we miss the richness of the multi-generational church when we focus just on a mono-generational church where people are exactly like us in the same phase of life. Yeah, it's I mean, it really is such an opportunity. And so, Pastor, here's what I would ask, man. It, do you truly love and have deep affection and care for older people? Do you, I mean, or do old people bother you and annoy you because you feel like they just grumble and complain? Or do young people bother you because they just want to change everything and they just want to do everything so different? And why can't they just do things the way that we've been doing this for a long time? Both directions are an error. And so my encouragement to you is find the beauty in multi-generational ministry and shepherd the people that God has given you to be who God has called them to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.